I, I want to thank Nadine for that beautiful special item. Where did Nadine go? There. When you see her, thank you. When you see her, I want you to grab hold of her and give her a hug and say, Nadine, we want to see you more at Warunga SDA. I've been after her for a long time to spend more time with us here. She has a, Nadine, you have a prodigious gift from God and we need to thank the Lord for it. And do I hear a, a hearty amen for that beautiful music? It was really nice. Now, I'm hoping that this will work. Usually I come and preach from down there, but I'm, I'm going to preach from up here this morning because we have a TV camera that is broken and getting fixed. They're not on, and I feel that you can see me better, and I certainly can see you better from up here. So is that okay? Now, I, I'm hoping and praying that this will, well, this will work, and I've got what I believe and, and prayed to the Lord as I prepared this, this Bible study this morning that he would help to make it not too long, yet interesting and vibrant. And as I studied it, I must admit to you that this message did get a, that the message from the Bible and the passage of scripture we're looking at this morning, it did get a hold of me a bit. And I've been looking in the Bible for areas that I've never preached on before because I find it quite refreshing to go in studying the Bible for myself and discovering the truth of these passages. And today's sermon is entitled Treasure in Jars of Clay. I think that's an interesting title. The title is grabbed straight from this passage of scripture. And I just pray this morning, and I guess I hope, that you will leave this church warmed by the message that the Bible, that Paul, the apostle, and God through me has to share uh, with you. So before we go any further, I just want to ask you to bow your heads. Once more, we ask the Holy Spirit to be here. God, this morning we come here as sinners, recognising our need of you. It is why we are at church. We're seeking your presence. We're seeking forgiveness. And we're, we're seeking, God, a deeper experience from you and your son. And so I would pray that the Holy Spirit will be here this morning in a very powerful way. Please, Lord, touch the hearts of, of these, your people, with your love. And may you work through me, your humble, uh, flawed servant, so that, Lord, we all leave this place being drawn closer to you. Thank you for being here already and pray that now you will stay as we study your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. And we will begin our study this morning in this verse of scripture. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse one. And I'll be working up the front here this morning from the NIV. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse one. The Bible says, therefore, since through God's mercy, we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. The context of this passage Paul is writing, he is writing to the Corinthian church and the Corinthian church is racked by dissension, it is racked by argument, it is racked by division. This is a church that Paul brought up for the Lord and he has a pastor's heart to this church. It is a church that is losing its way 
And Paul from afar loved his church. I must admit, as a pastor, one of the things that I've asked the Lord through the years to give me, and it is a gift from God, is love for the church, love for the people of the church. And Paul loved the church and his heart went out to the church in Corinth, this church that was losing its way, this church that was losing its mission. And he writes to them in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 1, Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. He says, church in Corinth, it is your work in this big wicked city. It is your work to give the message of Jesus' love, to give the gospel to the broken down people of your community. And he said, don't lose heart. And in 2005, sometimes for us, it can be easy to lose heart because it is so difficult to give the message of Jesus to the community, to the city of Sydney. I had the privilege and I do have the privilege of visiting church members. I have the privilege of visiting far countries too. And last week, if you were here, you will know that we gave a report on Papua New Guinea. And it was a beautiful surprise for me to come home and turn my email on and see that there was a donation of $3,000, which is a lot of money, toward building a church in Papua New Guinea. In fact, that built the church. Well, I was praising God. That was a good start to my week. In fact, it pricked my conscience a bit because I was in the process of buying a car. And when this member gave this money, I recognized that I needed to humble myself a bit and go and get a more simple car, which I did and saved some money. And uh, even I am going to give some money to Papua New Guinea um, and to the building of these churches. And I was praising God. You know, that lifts you when you're a pastor and you see those sorts of things happening. Well, I then went on my visitation and my Bible study schedule for the week. We've had, I've had a difficult week. My little daughter, Danae, has step, step, step lecocca. How do you say that, Dr. Lewis? Strep, strep And what's the other one? Step And there's another one, um, that she's got as well. You know these superbugs? Well, my little daughter has two of them. And it's very serious on her legs and it's infected and the mother was taking her pants off the other day and the, the skin's peeling off the back of her legs. And so I've had a difficult week and, and it was an interrupted week because either Diane or myself had to be with her at all times. She's highly infectious and very sick little girl. Well, well, I still was able to do my visitations late afternoon and into the evening. And I went to visit Somebody who comes to this church, and I'm not going to mention any names, but a beautiful lady and her children, and we had a lovely visit, and as I was about to go, she said, Pastor, I have something for you. And she went to her cupboard and she pulled out a jar full of coins. She said, I want you to give this money to the people in Papua New Guinea. And I thought to myself, praise God, what a beautiful woman that she's done this. And so, and she said, be careful, look after this money. You know, it, it's been given to the Lord's work. <coughs> and I, I assured her that I would. And I, I went home that night, got home about 10.30. I, I am a guy who struggles to unwind a bit at night after a big day. And so I'll sit and watch the news or do some reading. And I was watching the news and I saw this jar of money on the, on the table. And I thought, well, I better go across and, 
and, and count that. So I got up from the TV and went across and undid the jar and tipped it upside down, expecting coins to just rush everywhere. And a few fell out, but it was jammed. And I thought, well, well what is happening here? And so I pulled the money out and I could see some notes starting to appear. And I thought, well, this is good. I increased the, the rate of my, my, my pulling these coins out. And, and, and there's a wad of notes that thick in the jar. And they're so thick, I, I, I struggled to get it out. Well, I finally got it out. I want to tell you that I counted that night $6,570.40. All to be given to the building of a church in Papua New Guinea. That means this week from this church has come $9,570.40. Let me tell you something. That is three churches in Papua New Guinea. Praise God. Amen. I was lifted. The pastor of a generous church. I, I couldn't wait to, to, to send an email. I rang Papua New Guinea up. And I said, I've got over $10,000 in one week bragging about Warunga. Over $10,000 in one week from my church to build churches in New Guinea. They couldn't believe it. I tell you, it put me on a high. And then I thought of the work in Australia. You see, in New Guinea, that money will go up there and they will build a church. They will build three churches, make no mistake. And on the day they open that church, which will be in three or four months' time, that church will be full to overflowing with non-Adventists who want to become Seventh-day Adventists. The pastor of that church will never struggle to get people into the church. Then they'll go, as I said last week, two or three kilometres to another unentered village. And they'll build another church with the money donated from this church. This is number two church. It'll take them three months. At the opening of that church in a non-Adventist, sometimes non-Christian church, that village church will be chock-a-block, full overflowing with people and always will be till Jesus comes. That church will never be big enough. And so they'll go up with the money that we've donated and they'll build another church three or four kilometres away. Guess what? On opening day, that church will be what? Full to overflowing. I have told you before and I'll tell you again, the Spirit of God is working. It is red hot in Papua New Guinea. It's why I keep going up there. I go up there, I get charged by the people and the work. I come back excited. I'm on fire. But then I must face the reality of the work in Australia. And I'm a pastor in a church here in Sydney, in the wealthiest, biggest city in the, in, in the, in the nation. And I want to tell you that the work here is tough. It is hard. Every single baptism that gets in that font is one through blood, sweat and tears. And I know that you who work out in the community, the work in sharing Jesus is not easy. Amen. It is hard. It can be difficult. Am I right? People are not responding like they do in Papua New Guinea. I could go and build a church in one of our unentered areas here in Sydney. And I can tell you that on opening day, it would not be full. And the only way it would fill up is through hard, diligent, Work for Christ. 
There is no other way in Australia. It is hard work. And it was like this in Corinth. In Sydney, the work is similar to what Paul and the Christians encountered in Corinth. It was not Papua New Guinea. The Holy Spirit was not able to work on the people's hearts because they were hard and they were closed. And that's why Paul says, therefore, look at it, since through God's mercy, we, you, I have this ministry, he says, we do not lose heart. And I want to tell you this morning, Wurunga SDA, the work is hard and it is difficult, but please don't lose heart. Why? Well, let's look at the next verse. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. Praise God, this is our experience at Warunga. Paul says, rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. I'm glad to be the pastor of Warunga Seventh-day Adventist Church because that text describes my church here in Warunga. It, be- it describes the denomination Seventh-day Adventism that I belong to. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. There's nothing secret or shameful about being a Seventh-day Adventist and the message that we have. My great-uncle... My grandmother's brother, whom I never knew, was the Grand Mason of Victoria. Does that make sense to you? Masons are a secret society. My grandmother was very close to her brother for their entire lives. And I often used to ask my grandmother, who was very close to her brother, who was the Grand Mason of the Masons in Victoria, I used to say, well, what is this Mason thing all about? You know, she never had an answer. She never knew because the Masons are a secret society. Praise God, the Seventh-day Adventist church and Christianity is not like that. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. And one of the problems Christianity has today is the inability of Christianity and particularly Protestantism to confront the word of God as it is written and given by God. We would not be struggling like we do as a Protestant church. And I'm not talking about Adventism. I'm talking about Protestantism now. We would not be struggling over the issues we struggle with. Morality, homosexuality and all these other things would not be an issue if we did not, I'm talking about the wider Christian church, if we did not distort the word of God. And I am glad and I praise the Lord that I belong to the Seventh-day Adventist church, which does not praise God, will not, I believe, till Jesus comes, distort the word of God. In fact, the Bible says, on the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. By sharing plainly what we believe, the Bible says we bless the culture, we bless the society, we bless the city we live in. You know, I bought this car, this little car, the XR8's gone. It was very, very painful to let that beautiful V8 go. 
And I'm going through withdrawal. And I heard someone make a smart comment down there then too. It's a horrible thing. No longer can I feel the, hear, hear the throaty sound of that beautiful Ford engine or the, the power burst that I'd get from the thing. Driving around an old Honda. But I'll tell you something. When I bought that car yesterday, the salesman looked at me and said, you're a, you're a Christian, are you? Because I'd been speaking to his mate about Adventism. I said, yes, I am. He said, well, what do you do? I said, I'm a pastor. I said, you know something? He said, I said to him, I said, you know something? I said, I bought this car on a good day. And he said, why is that? See, sharing the gospel clearly, plainly, and simply. It's what Adventists do. It's what you are doing or should be doing. It's what I am and should be doing. I said to him, well, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist. He said, yes. I said, well, I bought this car today just in time for Sabbath. What do you think he said? That's exactly what he said. What is the Sabbath? Well, did he open the door or did I? And in praise God, I walked. And there's a salesman who works for Highway Honda right now who knows what the seventh day Sabbath is. Why? Because I took up the challenge from God as he, as Paul is challenging the church in Corinth to share the truth simply. And I love the fact, and I'll talk to you from my heart for a moment. I love the fact that I, as a Seventh-day Adventist, belong to a church, a denomination who believes not in secret shameful ways of tricking people into the denomination. We believe in sharing, sharing the word simply. And we share the word as God gave it to us. And that's why God blesses us. And God forbid there come a day when we ever do anything but share the word. As Paul challenges us to in verse 2. We go to verse 3. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Paul says to the church in Corinth, listen to this, this is important for Sydney. He says, even if people don't understand what we're saying, the reason they don't understand it is because they're perishing. He's saying, don't worry if you get a hostile reaction when you're sharing Jesus' love to the community. Don't worry about it. They are perishing. And look what he says now. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is in the image of God. He says the God of their age, the God that they have served, that they are serving, is blinding their eyes to the truth about Jesus. That's why the gospel is veiled to them. They can't see it. I thought for a moment, the God of this age, or the God of the age of Corinth, who was this God? Well, you go back and you do a little bit of study. You can go to the SDA Bible commentary. You can go to the library. Corinth was a city that was wealthy. Corinth was a city where the people were obsessed by work. Corinth was a city of immorality and licentiousness. Corinth was a city obsessed by sport. Corinth was a city where possessions and goods meant everything. 
And Paul says the God of the Corinthians is blinding them to the glory and the wonder of what it is to walk with Jesus Christ. So Paul's saying to the church, understand these people. Understand where they're at. They're blind. Be gentle with them. Call them gently. They will come, howbeit slowly. And then I looked at Sydney. The God of our age. Sydney, this city that I love like no other in Australia, my home, where my daughter was born, where my wife works, where I minister, Sydney, where money and work and immorality and sport and possessions and goods is an obsession. Am I right? Is an obsession. The people in this city are blind to the goodness of God. And we need to be gentle with them. And we need to love them. And we need to call them to Jesus with patience and tolerance. And we need to, and I'm talking to the people of the church here, sitting and worshipping God this morning. We need to be looking for opportunities, little doors that we can walk through to share the love of Jesus with people every day. This is not a city where you will likely win people in a day to the cause of Jesus Christ. These people are blinded by another God. They're blinded. They can't see. Someone told me that when a blind man finds his sight, that he has great difficulty with light. And often when these blind people are finding the light, Jesus Christ, they are having difficulty. Sometimes they will be hostile. They will resist. But if you are patient, if you love them, if you are gentle with them, if you look for every opportunity you can in the office and the workplace to share the love of Jesus, you've got the Holy Spirit with you, people will come. They will come. Because the, although they might be blinded by the God of this world, the light of Jesus is far more powerful. And he will call people if you will respond to his challenge to share. Paul says, and I love this, for we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. Now, let me say something here. <coughs> Excuse me. We have a burgeoning youth group. Praise God. You know, I've been in youth work for, before I came to Wurunga for my entire ministry, maybe 13, 12 years. Out of 16, 17 years I've been a pastor now, a long time. I've never been in a church and pastored a church where the youth group is growing as rapidly and as strongly as it is here in Morunga. Did you know that? There's something big, and if you're not seeing it happening, you need to open your eyes. There's something big happening in this church right now, and it's beyond the pastors. It's a God thing. And this church is filling up with youth and I've never experienced like anything like this in almost 20 years of pastoring churches. We have this burgeoning youth group. We have an exciting television ministry. And it is exciting. And I'm encouraging the church to take up the challenge of this television ministry. And to come with us 
and to see where God can take Warunga Seventh Day Adventist Church because I believe He has a He has a place for you, this church, and I believe that place is to proclaim the gospel as one of the leading Adventist churches, to proclaim the gospel to the people of Australia. I believe that's where God's taking you. And you need to come with us, and that is exciting. So we have this burgeoning youth group. We have this TV ministry. We have, praise God, faithful tithe payers. We have people who are faithful in their offerings in this church. It is as generous a church as I have, as I have worshipped in or pastored too. And I praise God for that. I've told you before, I sometimes go to the minister's meetings, and it's hard for me not to puff my chest out a little bit when I look at the tithe that's coming from this church. It's wonderful. I praise God for it. We have this burgeoning youth group. We have a television ministry. We have faithful tithe payers. But I'll tell you what, it's all worth naught if we don't preach, teach and live Jesus. It's worth nothing. If we don't preach, teach and live Jesus, you must be hearing Jesus from the pulpit. And if you're not, you better come and talk to the pastor and give him a swift kick. Gentle, swift kick. We must have Jesus in our hearts. We must have Jesus in our families. When people come into this church, the flag that is flying from the top of the church should not be TV ministry. It should not be, praise God, this growing youth group. It must be Jesus uplifting Jesus and his cause at all costs. And that's what Paul's saying to the church in Corinth. Lift up Jesus, for we do not preach ourselves. God forbid, we do not preach ourselves. We preach Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves where we are servants to the community that we serve for Jesus' sake. And if this church is continue to grow, if it is to continue to grow, and if it is to continue to expand and to be blessed, then we as a people must have Jesus in our lives and we must be prepared to be servants, servants, not great leaders, servants for Christ. Well, it's not easy to be a servant, I know. But that's what God challenges the church in Corinth. It's what he challenges Warunga SDA with this morning, to be a servant. And I wonder, I, I, just this one question. Are you a servant? What are you doing this morning with Jesus in your heart to advance the cause of Christ and to lift him up at this church? It's a good question, isn't it? Are you a servant? Then we come to the climax of this study. But we have this treasure in jars of clay, I can see Paul writing this with the Holy Spirit bursting forth from him. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul says, if you have Jesus in your heart, if you had Jesus working in your life, if the church is lifting up Jesus, he said, you will explode. Talk about church growth. Just get a church full of people who have Jesus in their hearts. Forget about all the different techniques and approaches you see. A church with a congregation with Jesus in their hearts, a church will explode. And Paul says, when the church does explode, and he says to the Corinthians, your church will explode. He says, remember that you have this treasure in jars of clay. And it is this treasure that is the reason that your church is exploding. I wonder what are these jars of clay? And I began to 
Search the Bible. Genesis 2 verse 7 says that we are made out of what? (coughs) What? Dust or clay. You are the jar of clay. What's the treasure? Go and read Matthew 13, 43 to 45 this morning. Who is the pearl of great price? So what is this treasure in this jar of clay? Is Christ. Paul says it is Christ in you. You are the jar of clay. Jesus is the treasure. It is Christ in you that brings about in the church, look at it, all surpassing power. The church is in need in Australia. The church is in need in Warunga of power. And what is that power? It is jars of clay filled up with the presence of Christ through his Holy Spirit. And Paul says the church will explode. And we finish in verse, what happened there? Seven. I don't know what happened there. We finish in verse eight and nine. Paul says, don't lose heart. Paul says, lift Jesus up high. Paul says, make sure that you have Jesus inside this jar of clay. And he said, if you do, then your church will explode. And then he says this, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Oh, that's important. Hard pressed, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair persecuted but not abandoned struck down but not destroyed bible says in revelation daniel chapter 12 verse 1 that although we're living in good times the church bible says that warunga seventh day adventist church faces a time of trouble like the world has never seen we are about to go into the trouble of the church of corinth we will be hard pressed but we have treasure in jars of clay, so we will not be crushed. We will be perplexed, but we have treasure in jars of clay, so we will not despair. We, we, we may be persecuted, but we have treasure in jars of clay, and we will not be abandoned. We may be struck down, God forbid, but we have treasure in jars of clay, and we will not, the Bible says, we will not be destroyed. May 17, just last month, a man by the name of Hamid Puramond. I don't think I'm saying his name right. He's, a, he, he, he's from Iran. He was 25 years ago, he was a colonel in the Iranian army. And he found Jesus Christ. You don't find Jesus and turn from Islam to Christianity in Iran without there being a terrible price. He lost his place as a colonel in the army. He lost his job. He has spent most of his life in and out of jail, being persecuted for his love of Jesus Christ. But that man in Iran, Hamid Paramond, has treasure inside a jar of clay. And last month, May 17, he was arrested again in Tehran. He was put in jail and on the 17th of May, he was transferred to his hometown, Banda Bashir. And there he will stand trial in the next month 
in a Sharia court fighting for his life. He has been arrested for knowing Jesus, for turning to Jesus and for trying to share Jesus in Iran. He faces hanging for apostasy and proselytizing. And that hanging will come in the next few months. I take this quite seriously and I've done this as a habit through the years. And I sat down and I wrote a letter to the Iranian ambassador here in Australia about this Christian man. He's a pastor. And, and, and trying my best in my simple way to, to have some impact on his life. But as I was reading his testimony last night, he indeed can quote Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8 and 9 from heart. In fact, he is living it. He has this treasure inside his jar of clay. This man who faces death today, 1995, next month, Hamad Pramad, he is hard pressed on every side, but he is not crushed. He is perplexed, but he's not in despair. He's persecuted, but he's not abandoned. He's struck down, but no matter what they do to him, he will never be destroyed. I think of you and me as I close this service this morning. We're not facing jail yet. We're not facing persecution. Praise God at the moment in Australia. We live in freedom. But I know that as I speak to you this morning, some of you have terrible work pressures. I know that others are in our congregation facing difficulties with their marriage and are not sure what sort of future they have with their spouse. That is a scary sort of thing to have to contemplate. I know that there's others out there who are struggling this morning as you sit here in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And I know that there is a myriad of other things that are concerning us and weighing us down this morning. I just want to remind you that we, in 2005, like the persecuted Christians in Corinth, that we too have the opportunity of having a treasure in a jar of clay. And if we accept that treasure this morning into our heart and into our lives, we may be hard-pressed, and some of you are, but you will not be crushed. You may be perplexed for whatever reason, but you will not despair. And that is such an important thing, not to despair in the low, in the difficult, in the dark times of life. We'll be persecuted. And some of you in your own way are suffering persecution. But God says, you have this treasure inside of you. You will not be abandoned. You may be struck down by whatever it is that's, that, 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 that's, that, that's oppressing you. But God says, you will not be destroyed. Because you have a treasure in a jar of clay. And that treasure will see you on through to eternity. And that treasure is Jesus Christ. And that's why Paul says, do not lose hope. Hold on. Jesus is with you. Share him to your broken down world. He will walk through the difficulties and the low times and the black times of life. But he will come again. And he will take you home. But until then, he will walk by your side. And I praise God, the God of Corinth, that he is also the God of Warunga SDA. And he is also, if you choose, your God.
Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for these powerful passages in Scripture that teach us so much. Some of us come here this morning low. We may be down. Some of us may be discouraged for a lot of reasons. Some of us may say, Lord, we can't witness effectively. There is hope, God. And as we read and study these passages this morning, we see it. If only we will let you in our hearts. If only we will let this treasure abide in us, in these, in these jars of clay. We know, God, that then you'll be able to lead and guide us. That we'll be able to share you effectively. And that we'll be able to walk successfully, painfully, Lord, yet successfully through the dark times life offers. Bless these people, these precious people. May they leave this place with your spirit and encouraged in your strength, in your wisdom and in your promise to walk with us to the end. Is there a prayer in your name? Amen. I've chosen this beautiful little hymn and I love it. Very pretty song. 285, Jesus Christ calls us and I want to invite you all to stand as we sing this hymn in conclusion today.